What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of the Jam Space podcast. I'm Carlo with Nick, and Matt will be joining us shortly, formerly of the Whiskey Rocks podcast. <clears throat> I decided to dissolve the Whiskey Rocks show because it wasn't working how we'd hoped. There was a disconnect on direction, and I wanted an edgier show with broader, less safe subjects, no restrictions on what we could do for subjects. While it was my idea to start doing this, I also wanted the input of my friends and to include their creativity. I wanted to keep pushing for more and more content that I think is fun, relatable, helpful, and stuff that we want to see on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. And if anybody listens to us, I feel they'd want to see the same stuff. And I would tell people I know about the show, and I wanted feedback from people, and I would say at the end of every episode that we want feedback from people that listen. And... I want to make it better. I want to make this a professional show. I want to know what we do wrong. I want to know what people like about it. And I was dealing with a lot of pushback and shoot downs, soft shoot downs that we weren't ready. Some things people were uncomfortable with, didn't have an interest in, or even wanted to prepare to learn some of the subjects. So that would derail my ideas for an episode. I think Nick and I have it pretty much well in hand don't you think nick i absolutely agree with that statement we needed something more current more edgier more up to date more lifestyle and i think with this new podcast we're going to hit the nail right in the fucking head damn right gonna hammer it first up the rock and roll hall of fame i believe the ceremony is induction ceremony coming up it is in a few short months all right i'll give a brief history of it and then you can uh, do your list if you like Absolutely. We'll throw the music news in right after that. Sounds good. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation was established in 1983 by Ahmet Erdogan, who assembled a team that included publisher of Rolling Stone and Out of Touch magazine, Jan S. Wenner, record executives, Seymour Stein, Bob Krasnow, and Noreen Woods, attorneys Alan Grubman and Susan Evans. Foundation began including artists in 1986. The Hall of Fame still had no home. The search committee considered several cities, including Philadelphia, home of rock pioneer Bill Haley and American Bandstand. Memphis, home, Memphis, home of Sun Studios and Stax Records, also Elvis. Detroit, home of Motown Records. Cincinnati, home of King Records, New York City, and Cleveland. Cleveland lobbied for the museum with civic leaders in Cleveland, pledging $65 million in public money to fund the construction and citing that WJW disc jockey, Alan Freed both coined the term rock and roll and heavily promoted the new genre. Cleveland was the location of Freed's Moondog Coronation Ball, often credited as the first major rock and roll concert. Freed was also a member of the Hall of Fame's inaugural class of inductees in 1986. In addition, Cleveland cited radio stations WMMS, which played a key role in breaking several major acts in the U.S. during the 70s and 80s, including David Bowie, who began his first tour in the U- in first U.S. tour in the city and Bruce Springsteen, Roxy Music, and Rush, among many others. Cleveland business leaders and media companies organized a petition demonstrating the city's support that was signed by 600,000 Northeast Ohio residents, and Cleveland ranked first in 1986 U.S. Today poll asking where the Hall of Fame should be located. On May 5th, 1986, the Hall of Fame Foundation chose Cleveland as the permanent home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. Cleveland may also have been chosen as the organization's site because the city offered the best financial package. 
As the Plain Dealer music critic Michael Norman noted, it was $65 million. Cleveland wanted it here and put up the money. Now, Nick, you've been there, haven't you, for your bachelor party? Yes, I was there almost three years ago. Actually, I'm sorry, four years ago we went there for my bachelor party. Yeah. Yeah, I had to work. I could come. <laughs> <clears throat> All good, bro. But yeah, that Hall of Fame, the actual physical Hall of Fame, is definitely a sight to see. Uh, price was reasonable to get inside. A couple floors, a lot of, lot of, lot of cool memorabilia in there. For example, everything from Michael Jackson's diamond jacket, hat, glove, all the way to a couple of toms from Lars Ulrich's drum set, all the way to artifacts from. Elvis Presley's personal collection from guitars, guitar picks, microphone stands, shoes. So it, all in all, I think if you guys ever get the chance to attend the actual Hall of Fame in Cleveland, it's definitely worth the money. Very. So I know you have a list of um, news on that really quick. I have an article open here for the... 2023 inductees, including Missy Elliott, Willie Nelson, Chaka Khan, as well as see the Cleveland-based institution announced Wednesday the artists and groups entering the hall as the class of 2023. A list that includes the Spinners, Rage Against the Machine, DJ Cool here, Link Ray, Al Cooper, and Elton John's longtime co-songwriting partner Bernie Tobin. Um. See, here's where I'm against some of this stuff. I don't think if you're gonna if you're gonna let rappers in la- rappers and in country into the rock and roll hall of fame, air quotes, then it's not the rock and roll mm-hmm. hall of fame anymore. It's a music hall of fame, and that's fine. But change the name. I think that should be a big deal because I remember in 2009, I think the first rap group that got inducted was Run DMC, and Eminem did the induction, which I watched. It was pretty cool. Metallica got yeah. inducted here as well. Mm-hmm. Forget what year Green Day got inducted, but I missed it. They're one of my favorite bands. Yeah, I think it was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, I didn't bother looking it up on YouTube either. At that point, I was burnt out on them. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, what do you got? All right, so since we were just talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Rage Against the Machine, they got voted in this year. But also, a lot of fans are upset because two huge bands got left off the induction. They thought they were very well-deserved. And I agree with one of them, uh, Iron Maiden, hell of a band. Right now, they're still touring. They're selling out stadiums, not arenas. They're selling out actual stadiums of 50, 60, 70, 80, some places even 90,000 people. These guys are selling out. These guys are in... Basically, Metallica's age group, like yep. early 60s, late 60s, and they're still killing it. Most of the original band is still there today, and they have a huge catalog, and I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame definitely missed the boat on that. And also, fans are upset about Soundgarden not getting in. I'm so, sure. <clears throat> yeah, like Chris Cornell's voice is once-in-a-generation voice. Soundgarden, like a lot of people like our age, they grew up on them. Then when Chris Cornell left Soundgarden and went to Audio Slave, that just blew my mind back then. When I first saw that video for Cochise and saw the video for Like a Stone, it was just holy shit. Like, I love the Rage Against Machine music. I love Chris Cornell's sound. And to put them two together 
was a match made in heaven to me. That was it was unbelievable. I remember the night that I heard Like a Stone, my sister was watching MTV too. And there's this black and white video. You got Cornell sitting there on a beater singing. And something about that song grabbed me from the, from the opening verse. And then Tom Morello's solo on that. So amazing. It's, it's not mm-hmm. even... You know, this is where a guitar player with feeling shits on a guitar player like Ingve Malmsteen. If you can mm-hmm. put an emotion that hooks a person for the rest of their lives, you have an amazing lead guitar player. And that's what I love. I love guitar players like Morello. I love John Frusciante. Kirk Hammett's good, but these days his solos don't grab you. It's no Unforgiven. It's no... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the solo from one. It's not the solo from Harvest of Sorrow. It's unfortunate that he is either unable to play like he used to, Maybe he doesn't want to, and he's earned that right as well. Absolutely. And Like a Stone is amazing, and it's one of the first guitar leads I ever learned. I was 17. We had just moved to my the last house I lived in with my parents. I grabbed my guitar. I set up my equipment, and I played it at full volume. I read the tabs, and I just sat there for four hours playing it over and over until I nailed it. And now I can't remember a damn note. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all right, though. Song. They deserve it. Audio Slave or I think what? You need 20 years from your first album. 20 years. 20 years from the first album. Yep. So and poor Iron Maiden. They've been around for 40, almost 50 years. Yeah. 40, 40 and change. Yeah. And same thing. Like to be they've two decades that they should have been now. Yeah, and they just keep getting snubbed year after year, which boggles my mind. Absolutely boggles my mind. Did Kiss get in? I'm going to look it up. You uh, keep going. I'm going to find this. Yes, Kiss got got in. It was either last year or the year before, I believe. And right now, actually, in my notes for music, Paul Stanley uh, is now slamming the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, saying he did not like the way the band got inducted into the Hall of Fame. A lot of artists... A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of artists are saying Ace Freely and Peter Chris should have both been involved in that, but you know Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley both denied them access to become Hall of Famers in that group, which I think is an absolute shame because Ace Freely is responsible for so many of those iconic Kiss guitar licks. Like you hear it, and you know that's him playing. So, yeah. Oh, speak of the devil. Uh, Tom Morello inducted Kiss into the Rock, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Tom Morello, no way, huh? Tom Morello, who inducted Kiss on the night, did a brilliant job. It was a vindication in the sense that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kept us up for 17 years and were really left with no choice but to begrudgingly let us in. They treated us like crap even that night. We had trouble. How about this? How about this? <laughs> fucking, how about this, Paul? You guys make money off of air. Shut the fuck up. You fucking exactly. Die. They literally have a bag of air branded Kiss Air. They, I think at this point, the amount of shit that they branded from fucking caskets to fucking airbags to fucking <laughs> tools to fucking shirts to fucking you name it, fucking kiss condoms for fucking crazy. Like, Hang on, I'm going enough on is enough, right man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rattle it off real quick. <laughs> All right, comedian Kyle Gass that was on Howard Stern briefly. He does the voices, and he's on Family Guy now. He did the um. He would he would appear on there as Gene Simmons selling the most useless shit 
and he was like being mean to Paul McCartney. <laughs> I have a clip. I'll send it to you. Um, see, uh, oh, wow, at one point, it... isn't that uh, that's um, that's fucking what's it? Ace Frehley's guy, right? Spaceman. Space Ace. Yep. Space Ace. Yep. Spaceman vinyl figure, but it's a cat. It's a it's a Funko Pop vinyl cat. Those uh, a lot of those Funko Pop like those music ones are they sell a limited amount of them. Then before you know it, the price just starts skyrocketing, which is insane. Like I right now I have like all the Metallica ones. For example, for some reason the Kirk Hammett ones, most expensive one, I bought that for ten dollars when it first came out. Right now it's valued at about one hundred and twenty dollars, which is kind of cool. I have one Funko Pop, and it came with the deluxe edition of Star Wars Battlefront. It was such a bad game, I played it for 10 minutes and never touched it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, swinging back to the music aspect, uh, yeah. Ghost won a Swedish Grammy for the album Impera. Was it a herring? I am not sure. Candy Good herring. Way. There you go, Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias Forge. Then um on the now defunct podcast, I brought this up. Um Aerosmith did in fact announce their farewell tour. They're gonna be playing over the course of the next year and they're coming to Boston New Year New Year's Eve of this year. And along with that huge news has come some sad news. Guitarist Joe Perry said that drummer Joey Kramer might not take place in the tour. He is quoted as saying, Joey's heart is in the right place, but you have to think this is an athletic event and will not be sure he would be able to pull it off. So my thoughts on this is that Joey Kramer, the drummer for Aerosmith, if he can't participate in the whole entire tour, it's coming to Boston. Let him get his final farewell. Let him get up there for a fucking few songs and hammer it out. Like... This guy like breathes Aerosmith. His so, wife. Yeah, his wife passed away. I think was it last year? I read. I'm looking right now. <clears throat> July first, 2022. His wife died. The guy needs the band. I mean, even if he drops oh, dead, he needs. Yeah, he needs to be a part of this. It's a shame that like if he's not going to be a part of it, it's an absolute fucking shame. Yeah. Uh, Corey Tear from Slipknot just kicked off his solo tour last night and he debuted two songs from his upcoming new album. It got positive reviews. And um, I don't know if you remember this band. Remember the band called The Hives? Uh, the they had that, that huge single that was called Hate to Say I Told You So. Try to think. Uh... Keep going. I, Matt wants an invite into the lobby. Hang on. Okay, we can throw Matt in here. Yep. Uh, so with the Hives, they just announced that they're going to release their first album in almost 11 years. And they released a new single last night and video. You guys can check it out. It's actually pretty cool. Speaking of touring, uh, Megadeth kicked off their next leg of their tour in Canada, which is uh, pretty cool. Props to Dave Mustaine still Kicking ass, still shredding. Good for him. I uh, recently uh, shredded it up. It was awesome. He's such an underrated guitarist. It's He's another one that I think one day deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Speaking of uh, tour announcements, Shinedown has just announced a tour with Papa Roach and your new favorite band, Spirit Box. I didn't say they're my favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. So that... 
feeling down at the gym. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Shine Down is definitely a cool band to see live. I saw them at a small venue in Boston a few years ago. They put on a great show. And uh, Papa Roach, same thing. I love Papa Roach. Be cool to see them back out on the road. Also, with some tour news, Power Man Five Thousand is booking a tour for the end of the summer, early fall. Oh, Papa Roach, man! I don't know. After two thousand twelve, I don't like anything they did. Yeah, they kind of went in that more like poppy genre. That's I don't mind the pop. I don't mind the pop. I just it doesn't sound good. Yeah, I'm all and and I got to I got to stop myself. I'm all for a band evolving. I'm all for a band changing. I'm all for the change. Metallica changed repeatedly. Every album was different. I know Mm -hmm. we're fanboys. We keep going back to Metallica, but they're the best example of a band that didn't stutter and stay stale. And the reason I recently read an article about Slayer from uh, Dave Lombardo who was like, oh, we were a niche band. We didn't change our sound, even though, you know, some of the guys in the band wanted to change it up. I didn't. Well, he wanted to change it up, rather. Hey, hey, hey. Dave wanted to change the direction of the band, and they fought him on it. And that's why they're probably not as successful as Metallica. But at the same time, I, I can't listen to Slayer. They they one track bleeds into the next. You can play four albums in a row. It's all the same to me. Word. What's up, Matt? <laughs> What's going on? You, you tardy I am tardy. I'm incredibly tardy. What do I do with my water? There it is. <laughs> I'm having whiskey. I had uh doggy diarrhea issues and Dinner with the wife. Oh, terrible. No, not dinner with the wife. She was in Florida recently, wasn't she? She's back. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy. But she's back? She's back. <laughs> she was in I'm Florida the time. <laughs> oh, yes. Slightly. <sighs> they don't change. They're boring. I don't like them. Who else is in chat? Where'd Nick go? He's he's in his truck. He might have been harassed by the police. Oh, you think he got pulled over? I hope not. Shouldn't be recording and driving anyway. Distracted driver. There he is. No, we can't hear you. You're mute. Technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) In the meantime, while he's trying to get it up. Moment of contact, James Fox. Miss, what, we're talking about James Fox. Yeah. All right. What do we? What do we want? Where do we want to go with Mister Fox? He he just came out today and said that he's got somebody who has video of the creature from the night. That's right, the Virginia incident. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, I, that, that's, I think it happened. No, oh, there he is. I have something typed up on this. There we go. All All I have typed up is, yeah, he's got, so there's going to be potential video video footage of the alien from the crash that is going to be hitting the internet. So we got to keep our eyes peeled for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing, uh, 
you got to work for. I don't think um, worrying about whether or not Mr. Fox shows up dead is the issue. It's whether or not all of a sudden he's unemployed and his background's erased and all of a sudden he becomes persona non grata. See, if they kill him, then that kind of lends credence to everything he's talking about and releasing. This is true. And I watched I watched the, the that documentary again last night because there was a lot I missed. Phenomenon. Uh, moment of contact. No moment of contact. I don't know. I haven't watched that one yet. That's the so which so you watched the phenomenon then the one that starts. With I did night. watch phenomenon. Yes, I thought I watched it the other day at work actually. <laughs> <laughs> moment of contact. I was is... literally had nothing going on, so I watched it. It was pretty good. Moment of contact. I haven't seen yet. So you can either see that on Amazon for 13 bucks or uh, I found it on Crackle, which is this really, I don't know how it made it on the Comcast, but it's a really weak streaming service. It's free. There's ads in it. I'll check it out. I'll check out Crackle. We have Comcast. What year did it come out? Last year. So last year, right? It's pretty recent. He was on Rogan last week. And the funny thing is he poo-pooed the whole idea of um, the crash in 1996 because he's like, well, what? You know, it wasn't it wasn't big enough news. Why he he was too busy trying to track down another um, crash that had happened. And so I think it's called the Blue, his other documentary, his first documentary from the nineties. And so uh, when more people started, I may mean, have seen the I may have seen the first one. I'm gonna I haven't seen it. I gotta check it out. I mean, yeah, there's so many that I've seen. I lose track of which ones. But continue. Sorry. That's quite all right, sir. Um, he. Something happened, I forget what, but basically when he started to realize that more people knew about this crash in 1996 and that it was being covered up. And if you watch that documentary, it's a piss poor job of covering it up because even some military people come forward like, tell me from behind. Okay, so this happened in 1996. I drove a truck to this area. And um, <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it's such, it's such a badly kept secret. And I feel like it's intentional. There was talk that an American plane came and landed within 24 hours of the crash. American men in suits came and started saying, you didn't see anything. You didn't see anything. What What did you see? And they questioned. Sounds about right. There was basically an entire neighborhood that saw this um, cigar-shaped object. It started early in the morning. It was a cigar-shaped UFO. The side of it had been shorn off. And there was smoke trailing, and a uh, a guy driving down a farm road happened to be in the area where it crashed. He was going to go meet friends to go flying light aircraft. Mm -hmm. He flew overhead, and it's in the, he talks about it in in the documentary. It flew overhead, did a three sixty, came back and crashed. And within forty meters of the crash, there was this fluid that leaked from the 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 craft. And it burnt the ground. And he said the first thing that he remembered, the first thing that hit him was the smell. And everybody describes the smell as a combination of ammonia and sulfur. And it's a hell of a smell. Yeah, it doesn't. I guess it would stay in your nose for like a month. Absolutely. And so that's he, that's pretty. Sulfur in an in end of itself is a very strong, strong odor, as is ammonia. Well, if you read a lot of or hear about a lot of abduction cases, there's always a smell associated with it. Either um, the grays have a burnt cinnamon. 
sterile smell. They always uh, they always describe having some sort of a sterile or chemical smell. That's true. And um, so this guy, I, I forget his name. It's like Carlos something. He breaks down in tears in this documentary at the spot. And Fox has a has a uh, a drone that flies overhead to show the area where it crashes. Mm-hmm. And he was saying on Rogan that geologists have messaged him saying something definitely fucked up the ground in that spot. And of course, basically, there was three girls that saw the alien huddling in an alley. They ran away. They thought it was a demon because it had brown, oily skin and red eyes and three bumps on its head like horns. This came I've heard from- I've heard that description before. I've been Googling it. <laughs> it's fucking creepy. Um, so the girls describe it. They ran home. They got their mom. She comes back. She remembers the smell and she saw a footprint. She draws it and she draws it for Fox in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And he finds the military people. And there was part of a group of people that were uh, a convoy, military convoy that uh, one of the aliens, the one that the girl saw was captured by a military police officer who later died of an unknown infection. That's right. I've, I remember that very well. He came and made actual physical contact with the being and then came down with some mystery illness that just ravaged his body within like 48 hours. It was something ridiculous. Right. And now the doctors that performed the autopsy on him are coming out, coming forward too, and saying they've never seen anything like it. They break it down. I haven't watched it yet. That's on YouTube. It's translated. So I haven't had a chance to watch it. Well, it's it's funny, too, in regards to the the Brazilian UFO stuff, if you listen to a lot of the people that they interview and have in the various documentaries, you have a lot of like high up individuals and the various like high ranking former military, retired generals, Mm -hmm. you know, people that have high credibility and high, you know, high, high access in in that society. And a lot of societies pretty much not in the Western world, openly admit that, yes, um, there's things in the sky, there's extraterrestrials, we've had X amount of encounters, we've recovered this, we've done whatever. So they all come out and they all say this. It's just here in like the Western world, like the US, Europe, you know, our allies type deal. It's like this stupid taboo. And it's ridiculous. Well, Europe, Belgium has openly acknowledged it since the 1980s. They've been seeing the triangle craft. Yes, Belgium has the Belgian triangle. They've been acknowledging it. But still, if you notice, they don't go. You you might have a retired general because there's always one that's interviewed and a couple of pilots that are always interviewed. And they always say that nothing on this. That's nothing on this world like that did not come from this world. But, you know, the official as far as channels through the official government and acknowledgement, they just won't do it. They'll say, yeah, we saw something. We saw a triangle, but we don't know what it was. There is no evidence saying it. It came from outer space. You know, that the typical usual bullshit that they string through. Right. And what's funny is, and um, it, it insults everybody's intelligence because we don't have anything like that. If we did, we'd be using it to subjugate everybody else. I mean, come on, common sense. Tom DeLonge's book implies that it's reverse engineered tech. I have uh, Secret Machines one, one and two, and in the book, so the books that I have, basically, he takes real world events. And mushes them into fictional stories. And mm-hmm. he's got a series coming out based on these books. And the Aurora Astra TR3B, I believe it's called. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the supposed UFO. 
Yeah, so this is in the book as part of secret technology that the government has. And in the book, it's being test piloted by a Air Force major who made contact with an unknown craft that affected him in some way. And it's like, so is the triangle us and we're testing it in Europe to fuck with people? Which possibility? I don't think so. Which also I personally the black projects that we have going on that Jeremy Corbell can't stop schoolgirling about. You know, honestly, he does more help more harm than he does good as a researcher. He needs to just disappear. He does. He flip flops and he changes his mind. One minute he's for this, two minutes later he's he's contradicting himself and coming out for something else. Like he's a total buffoon. Yeah. He he, he just you know cut your hipster haircut and just go disappear somewhere because you're not helping anything, Jeremy. You're just not. No, he's he's. I, I liked him at first. I thought he had a lot of lot to say, but now I realize that in the same sentence he will say that. Yeah, it's it's not of this earth, and then in the same sentence, but it could be a government black project. Well, which is it, you fucking goon? It's not Go a back. government black project. He, I, I, you know, I'm sure we do have black projects. There's no doubt about it. We always have, but I don't think we have functioning UFOs. We might have experimental aircraft, but nothing we have is going to match that type of, you know, the capabilities that their, you know, physics defying craft have. We just to us, that type of technology would be like Julius Caesar trying to reverse engineer my my Samsung Galaxy cell phone. It's just the understanding and, you know, theoretical nature of it. it you just, we can't do it. And I think a lot of this stuff is all misinformation. And it's misinformation meant, meant to distract people. We do have black product projects absolutely do i think we're trying to reverse engineer what crashed in 47 and you know any other recovered crashes that may have been absolutely of course we are that doesn't mean we can we can't right. it's it's so far beyond where we are scientifically that we can't even comprehend it we also i mean listen, listen to what bob lazar said in his um i know now the popular thing with corbell even though he did the great documentary about lazar is now he likes to criticize him because in the 90s, Bob Lazar got arrested for sleeping with a hooker. Like, oh my God, that means he, he must not have done UFO stuff because he wanted to get his dick sucked. I missed mm, really. miss that because I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't miss that? Corbell's completely turned against uh, Lazar now after he put out that documentary where he was practically blowing him. And now it's like, oh, uh, his conviction for uh, misdemeanor prostitution, that, that discredits him. It's like, not really. Not really. It doesn't add up. He. It, what's funny is he still brings him up on his podcast, like even to this day. Right. And right. But then he contradicts himself five seconds later and says, "Oh, but um, I don't know how credible you." It's like, Corbell, you're not credible. Go away. Go paint a picture. Right. Go do something. Oh, I'm gonna hang on. No, no, you're good. Right. One second. Stand by, folks. I think he got abducted.
Apologies, my wife called me. She's getting out of work. <laughs> oh, oh, dun, dun, dun. Well, and here I just told the audience you probably got abducted. So, okay, he's back. I can fix Short it. time loss. <laughs> I can fix it. What, 30 seconds? <laughs> About that. Quick time loss. It's going to be madder at me that I'm drinking right now on a Thursday night. <laughs> oh, I have not yet begun to drink, sir. In fact, I won't. I have to work tomorrow. Yeah, me too. So back to Corbell. So he told back me to the idiot. Before. He is a fool. I'm starting to realize, but I can't stop listening to his shit. Oh, God damn it. Well, because some, you know, even a fool every so often says something that makes sense. Right. He he trots out every now and then. He trots out a a, a former Navy pilot who saw something that deserves to be heard, and I, and that's cool. Absolutely. I, his second episode, he brought out a a Navy airman, I believe a helicopter pilot. They talked about a 2019 incident. Um, a Navy battle group was night after night surrounded by orbs that came out of the ocean and shot straight into the sky. And they were convinced there were UFOs. People started going on watch. These things lit up the ship's deck like it was daytime. Right. And- at the time in the papers, so the the Navy guys, everybody's like, they're UFOs. We don't know what the fuck they are. They, you know, it's exhibiting UFO typical behavior. Mm-hmm. And a the New York Times or the New York is it the New York Post? I don't know newspapers. I don't read them. They were like Navy battle groups sur- surrounded by Chinese drones. No big deal. It was no big deal three years ago, but one balloon over Montana and it's a fucking international incident. Well, of course, because they have to. Uh... You know, they don't want to admit that they don't know. For whatever reason, it's a thing with this country. And it's been the um, pretty much the M.O. since the 1940s when they freaked out after Roswell and said, even though they knew actually before Roswell, because you go back to the Battle of Los Angeles in 1941, they fired like there was an unidentified object in the sky over L.A. and they fired 10,000 rounds of anti-aircraft and various ammunition at the damn thing and couldn't even touch it. So back. they knew about that beforehand. You got the Foo Fighters during World War II, but we'll go to Roswell when everything really kicked into gear in 1947. And, you know, initially it was like, yes, we, the media reported it and the government was like, yes, the saucer crashed. And then all of a sudden it was like they did within 48 hours, they did a complete 100% reversal. And it's, oh, it's a an experimental weather balloon that crashed and that's what you saw and and blah, 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 you know, and that's when it all started for whatever reason, they, you know, you look at the documents from a jet from project blue book from majestic 12. I mean, the head of project blue blue book there, Jay Allen Hynek has come out many times and said like, yes, I was forced to say this stuff. It, it, the explanations they made me give in the name of science insulted science and what people saw was real. It's a real UFO. It's not from this planet. But for whatever reason, the U.S. government determined back then that people can't handle the truth. So we're just going to continue to deny, 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 deny. And that eventually evolved into pumping misinformation out there and all the other nonsense that you have today. I believe to the point where 80 percent of it could be debunked. And then when he started to come around, it was 20 percent. He couldn't. There was no explanation for the other twenty percent. Right, right. So say you have a thousand sightings, eight hundred of them get eight hundred of them at eighty percent get debunked. That means twenty percent, two hundred sightings are legit. When you got navy navy pilots chasing a craft and 
it's performing all kinds of crazy maneuvers, literally just flipping in on itself. And then it comes to a complete stop midair and then just launches off in the opposite direction. That's nothing that anything we can build can do. And this thing is flying circles, literal circles around our most advanced technology and then just disappearing as quickly as it comes, like just blasting off at 10,000 plus miles an hour into, you know, into God knows where. So my thing is, if we had this technology and we were able to reverse engineer it, do you not think that it would have been used in warfare by now and everything else? Of course it would. You would have annihilated our enemies. Russia would be nothing more than a cold crater battle. If they are indeed our enemies. You would not have had 9-11. And the amount of, with the speed these things move. Of course not. The planes, unfortunately, with all the people on board, would have not made it within three inches of those towers. Right. And these things with that kind of technology, you got to think about it. Um, whether they travel across space at, you know, whatever you want to call it, hyperspace, faster than light travel, or they fold space and go through a wormhole or a slip space, whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever sci-fi term you want to use for it. Let's just look at their traveling faster than light. And it's going hundreds of millions of, of light years in a, in a, you know, a matter of a few minutes. So in order to traverse that kind of distance, the uh, a simple mode of space dust, if it collided with that craft, would obliterate it. So these things have some sort of gravitational shielding that obviously allows allows them to, you know, traverse such distances. So the whole thing with, oh, we shot down a UFO. No, you fucking didn't. You didn't shoot down a UFO. Nobody shot down a UFO. If anything, any crashes that have occurred, it's because something probably malfunctioned. You know, the technology wasn't working right. Pilot error on their end, whatever you want to call it. You didn't shoot something down that traversed the stars to get here or folded space to come here or cross the dimensional plane. Not even not even close. Your AMRAM missile isn't going to touch it. So there's a uh, legend from 1984. Eisenhower supposedly met with two groups of aliens in the middle of the night. One was the Nords, and they said... And again, it's 84, wasn't I? Eisenhower was dead by before that. <laughs> 54. Did I say 84? You said 84. I'm sorry, I meant 54. I yes, I was going to say Eisenhower was dead before that. But, all right, 54, that is correct. Treaty, it's called the Gaeta Treaty. He met with yes. a, supposedly. And uh, so one one version I heard, um, he met with the Greys. The other version was mm-hmm. first the Nords and then the Greys. And the one version with the Nords was, you morons are playing with nuclear weapons. You're fucking with space time. You're screwing with our instrumentation. Our You're basically ruining the universe by doing what you're doing. Stop it and we'll share technology with you. And he told them to pound sand. Then the Greys were like, the, the scumbags of the universe, I guess, from what I from what it sounds like. But hey, you can keep doing what you're doing, but we'll give you a little bit of tech if you give us 150,000 humans and animals to play with. And he was like, yeah, fine, just don't kill anybody and put them back. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I buy that. It's... I, I, it's that's You see, to me, that's like the far-fetched... Um... Heads, it might be true. Tails, it might be fake. You know, it's weird. Like who came yeah, up? I'd say there's maybe a portion of it that might be true. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't buy a lot of that stuff. It's entertaining. Like, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely entertaining. And you know, in in the realm of uh, possibility, I, anything's possible. I mean, 
you know, you're dealing with alien spacecraft from another world that are traversing the stars to get here, folding space. So anything's possible. I just think it's highly improbable, shall we say. <laughs> I agree. I, agree. Um, I mean, why are they going to come down and meet with Dwight Eisenhower? An old man who's almost out of power at that point. They like the suits? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't. It just for me, it's just it kind of stretches a little bit beyond what I, I think probably happened. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I wasn't alive yet. I can't even comment. Right. Speaking of uh, UFOs, though, there was a new balloon over Hawaii recently. Of course there was. There's balloons all over the place. And uh, in the last week or so, there was cattle mutilations in three counties in Texas. Gotta love it. Good old ca good old cattle mutilations. That's a topic I haven't heard of in a while. See, I've been uh, been kind of interested in it because it's it's a big deal on Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, I know that's a huge thing. They 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 drain. What do they drain the blood out of the bodies and they surgically like you know laser cut like tissue off and you know various things are just missing from the cows that, and there's no sign of how it would have gone missing. Well, on Skinwalker Ranch. The book that I have, The Hunt for the Skinwalker, by Colm Kelleher and uh, George Knapp. There, Gotta love George. George is amazing. There was a lot of respect for George. Uh, there was so basically it was like they they Colm Kelleher. I like him because he was also part of a government um, ATIP, I want to say, or OSAP. Mm -hmm. He was part of the, one of those big uh, anagrams or whatever they called. ATIP's the current one, I believe, that's uh, currently currently used. Exactly. I think. Elizondo was a tip. Yes, Elizondo was a tip. That's where I know it from. That buffoon, <laughs> that no neck bastard. Um, the, the 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 king of disinformation. Yeah, I, I wanted to really believe him too, but he's all about scaring people. Oh, there could be an invasion. Oh, it could be this. If the, if it could be an invasion force, it would have been here by now. Yeah, he's he's a he's a proponent of the false flag operation. You know, that they'll try to convince the population then to, to do some stupid thing that they want done, that an alien invasion is imminent. He's all, he's a complete government man through and through. So I have this article here. Uh, so let's see, it says, authorities in Texas have been left stumped after a number of cows have been found mutilated, according to reports. An investigation has been started after cows died in mysterious circumstances in at least three counties in southeast Texas. Mutilated cows have been found in Madison, Robertson, and Brazos counties. On April 19th, Sheriff's Office made an announcement on Facebook they were investigating the incidents. They were longhorn cows, and see, they were missing. So it was a straight, clean cut with an apparent precision had been made to remove the hide around the cow's mouth on one side, leaving the meat under the, hide un under the removed hide untouched. Scavengers didn't touch it. Tongue was also completely removed from the body with no blood spilt, and it was noted there was no signs of struggle and the grass on the cow was undisturbed. No footprints, no tire tracks, nothing. See, they oh, I don't know what it is with the tongue. They always take the tongue and like the side of the face. I <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. Sex organs were missing from some, and the entire anal cavity was also removed from some cows. Now, if you Google cattle mutilation, it's always a side of the cow's face that I've seen missing. Almost in every single one, any any type of one that has pictures online or anything else or that you see in documentaries, it's always the same. Like one side of the face is always removed. All the teeth are exposed. It has no tongue. 
sexual organs, various, you know. Yeah. And this things are always removed. There's also a chapter in DeLong's book that in the same chapter there was mutilations and crop circles. And uh, basically the way it was described from the government man in the book was one of these is friendly and one of these is like, look what we can do to this. What do you think we can do to you? I think it's a warning or maybe they're using these animal parts as some sort of external uh, embryo chamber in a weird way. Like maybe or it's, it could be i mean yeah, who knows <laughs> i think um you still there yeah all right i was just saying i think um you know a lot of it probably is done from the thought process of an alien mind so we can only really guess at what they're doing it because it is bizarre like you think about it cattle mutilations 100 percent bizarre like, they, you know, seemingly no reason for it, but who knows what type of experiments they're doing. You know, it's beyond what we can understand. If it is indeed uh, extraterrestrial involvement and, you know, all signs pointing to no evidence being left behind or anything else, footprints, tire tracks, whatnot, it probably is. I mean, it'd be fascinating to to get an actual answer to it, but I think it's currently beyond our realm of uh, reasoning right it's been going on 50 years if they haven't figured it out yet we're not gonna find out not more yeah i I don't think it has anything to do with us it's just they see something easy grabbing could be studying genetics could be any number of reasons maybe they just like to eat cow ass (laughs) (laughs) well it's weird it's like it's maybe they, they like tongue it's it's not even just cows though, from what I understand. It's also dog anything they can get their hands on that's not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, from what I've seen though, um, or at least what gets recorded, it tends to be mammalian. They don't really seem to take alligators and crocodiles or snakes or fish or things at least that we know. But then again, we don't live in the ocean, so how would you know if they took a fish? But as far as land land based life forms, it seems to be more mammals than than um anything else and maybe that's because mammals are unique to earth might be something that's that's unique to this planet i mean these life forms i don't know if we could even categorize them as related to anything that lives here but mammals might be completely genetically different from anything that they've experienced in their home planets or in other you know, things in their travels or explorations. Like it, it might be a, a genus and subspecies that's just unique to Earth, and they have a fascination. That's well, that would be my guess. That would be my guess on it. I have, as far as the bizarre nature of their experiments, who knows? Like who knows? Bob Lazar made a good point that while we can't synthesize element one fifteen, you know, it was what stable for thirty seconds one time in Russia ten years ago. Yeah, something like that. It may be a naturally occurring fuel source on the planet from where the UFO that he worked on potentially came from. Right. It it absolutely and or even if it wasn't, uh, it might they might have been you know technologically advanced to actually synthesize it properly, or a combination of both. Yeah. It's funny when you listen to Bob Lazar talking about all the reverse engineering he 
you know, his story's never changed in, since 1989 when he came forward. It's, it's never changed. And the drawings and diagrams and everything else that he's shown have never changed. He's, you know, it's usually when people are lying, you can cut, like the story changes. Like yeah, it tends to change. You forget, like you, you know, and even like, I'll give you a perfect example. Like at work, you write a police report, whatever. And you go back to it a year and a half later, you have to go to court, whatever or not. And you don't have complete photographic memory of that event, how, no matter how significant or small, like, you know, you might have a general idea, right. but you, you know, you lose things. But for him, after all these years that this is so burnt into his head, that the story has never changed. It's never wavered. The facts have never changed. It hasn't been further embellished on, hasn't been decreased. Um, and he is stuck by his guns. He's seen, he's coming, you know, ridiculed and everything else. So I think when he talks about something, it's, it's definitely more interesting than when certain others speak about it. Well, when we remember but things, anyway. sometimes we remember the memory. We don't even remember the exact moment. So we could say, Hey, remember right. yesterday when you, right. when you dropped that ball down the sewer and 10 years from now, it's like, you're remembering that you remembered that you remembered that you dropped the ball down a sewer, but you don't remember right. where the sewer was. You have just a fragment of the memory, like you you remember the actor or, you know, the occasion, but, you, you know, this he remembers all of his time from working at S4 and everything. And he remembers the UFO. And I remember him saying on multiple occasions, he says it all the time. He's never changed. He's never wavered. He says, we cannot replicate or understand what is in that because it is so far advanced from anything that we're we're close to. Right. Like the, the, the gravitational field, it, it, you, you know, it, it bends gravity around it and the, the, you know, the power source, he says, we can't replicate it. We can't even figure out how it works. He goes, we can't even fathom how it works. It's so advanced beyond anything we've ever seen and what we can comprehend. It's like, you know, if you drove a car down the street in ancient Greece, it, it to them would appear as you're driving a magical steel beast because they have no way of comprehending or even you know fathoming what it is it's it's a similar similar thing it's so so far beyond us well that just goes at back this point to the native american legends of birds when they were really probably craft with wings native thunderbird american legend the thunderbird probably when they tell stories they, they're handed down oral traditions i don't think they're adding in shit to scare people when they say things came from the no. stars, something definitely came here in the past and did something. The as it has, as it has now, I think in the back in the day, in the past, people were more amenable to it in a way. Like people look up the sky, it was it was awe inspiring. It was whatever, and maybe you did have contact back in the day between people and beings from another planet. Like you very well may have because people weren't like they are today. Like today. At, you know, you you get the you might get somebody that decides they're just going to start. They see something close, they're going to start blasting guns up in the sky, do whatever you know. And people people do have a tendency to panic. Yeah. They do. And back yeah. in the day, I think people were able to better accept things, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It was a more mystic time, and people had a much more open mind than they do today. Right. What's funny is um so. On to get back to Corbelks, I know we can circle back to that. 
He had Dave Foley. <laughs> just hear me out. And it has a story that he no, told. No, no. I just can't stand Jeremy. <laughs> a, he really is a doofus. And I feel fucking... It's, it's a little upsetting that he's such a dummy, I guess. It really It is upsetting. Because I, I really wanted to believe him. But he tells it's the most absurd part is that he's got such an audience now, and because he's made a few documentaries and he's got his podcast and he appears wherever that he he spews the shit that comes out of both sides of his mouth, and I think he believes what he's saying in the moment he says it, but then he backtracks and contradicts himself three times in a two in a uh, in a four sentence rant. So yeah, you know. The but do continue. I really believe it's it's like I like when Nap talks. I I like his voice. <laughs> But, um, and he's also knowledgeable and not a fool. Right, because he got pulled into that hole years ago, and he hasn't come out yet. But um, Right, he, right. There's a story that Corbell tells on this uh, recent episode of his of his podcast with uh, Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. And I guess they were... I don't out. remember that show. Hmm? I said, I remember that show. It was on news radio, too. Um, but... So the, I guess the two of them were walking one night, and Corbell lives out in Vegas, out in the middle of nowhere, I guess, on a ranch, or California. But basically, he lives in an area where it's, like, really rural and deserty, and, you know, you can... I guess if you're hanging out, you might see something. So he's walking his dog with uh, Foley, and they're talking, and they both, or maybe Corbell noticed a light in the sky, and it was behaving strangely. He got Foley's attention to it, and it got closer, and they both described, and again, these two have probably heard so many legends at this point. Because if you, if you, oh, I'm sure. Same as Rendlesham and a lot of the other close encounter type uh, stories, they always describe the UFO as having this crazy golden amber orange light that does not occur on Earth. Like you've never seen it. It's like orange and red and yellow and peach, but they happen all at once. But at the same time, the colors are indescribable. So they talk about this light that goes over them and, and circles and does all kinds of things. And then, you know, he, he acknowledges that at the same time they're watching this thing go overhead and circle around them. Neither one of them thought to pull out their phone and film, which he's a fucking filmmaker. You'd think he'd be like, you know, let's film this shit. Of course. Of course. So he said at the time they couldn't move. They were just staring at it. And this this kind of lends a little bit of other people who have experienced the same thing where it didn't lead to an abduction, they've acknowledged that the weird light behaving strangely and it'll buzz them and they will like, they might have their phone near them, but they're not, they don't go for it. They just, they kind of stand there, hypnot, hypnotized. They don't move for a few minutes and it's like, whoa, check this out. Look oh, yeah. And this, this, a lot of the more metaphysical experts have said that at times, you know, it has to do with your consciousness. You're, you're open to it. And so maybe at that point in time, it's punching through a wormhole into our reality if it's extra dimensional. And it's like, hey, oh, you noticed us. Well, I'm going to circle you guys. I'm going to show you what you fucking morons could do if you could stop warring with each other for 10 minutes. But you're not, you're never going to. And you're just going to stare at me. And not all you yet. have is memory. It's like, all you're going to have is a memory of this. And no one will ever believe you. Bye. <laughs> And that lead, that lends to what Jack Valet says that it's partially consciousness, partially alternate dimension, maybe something that's been here for centuries that we just don't see all the time because we're not always looking up. It's true. I mean, there, there's you know, 
you can make an argument for that. Um, they, the whole thing with the consciousness and people, you know, wanting to see a UFO. And so they, you know, they want to see it and they're willing themselves to see it type deal. And then supposedly it happens. I mean, as I talked about last time we, we brought up the subject, you got entities that literally are bending time space, tra traversing planes, dimensions, tra traversing the stars, galaxies, and, and technology that is, it, it, for lack of a better word, magical. So with that type of brain power and, you know, even technological power, who knows what type of readings, maybe they can read brain waves, maybe they, you know, telepathy, you know, ESP, something well beyond what we can comprehend. So I mean, I, they Possible. do say that during abduction cases, when the people are spoken to by their abductors, it's always a voice inside their head. Right. And then everybody thinks they're crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, you heard a voice in your head. Yeah, but I fucking saw it too. <laughs> yeah, but I saw it when I was on the spaceship. The abduction thing, do I believe in the abduction phenomena? I do believe some people have been abducted. Absolutely. Where I am lost on the abduction case and where I shut down and the walls go up and I'm like, you know what, enough is when you get these people and they go into the, you know, whatever. And they're always the most unattractive, yeah. slovenly, disgusting people. Like, you, you know, you look at them and like, okay, dude, you, you, you couldn't get laid on this planet if your life depended on on it and you know same thing with the women and whatever else it's like oh i was on the spaceship and, oh, and then they brought me this 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 a beautiful alien baby and it had my eyes and oh, oh, oh it was so emotional <laughs> and they start freaking crying and <laughs> and they're doing that crap and it's like okay you are so full of shit you like honestly look at these people take yeah. a look at some of these people if you know if I don't believe alien hybrid theory and, you know, they're making hybrid babies and all that. I think that is such fucking farcical bullshit. But um, let's 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 entertain that for a second and say that this super advanced species is just so, so enamored of our DNA and genetics that they just have to create a hybrid. So they find some of the most slovenly, physically inept and genetically inferior people that they can find and. That's what they're doing. Nope, not even, not even close. <laughs> I agree. If you look at the guy, if you watch Unsolved Mysteries and you watch the Berkshires incident of the 1960s, that's a good one. That's a, my mom's from the Berkshires. I know. She remembers it. You said there's a museum up there, right? There is a museum. I forget which town it's in. It's in one of those little towns out there. I want to say Barrett, Great Barrington, maybe. I could be wrong, but I want to say Great Barrington. But yeah, they have a whole museum dedicated to it that was like a big deal have you ever seen the the one guy who is still riding that wave the guy who says mm -hmm. he was when he was like eight years old or nine years old and brought up to play with alien kids oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Fucking long hair and the hat looks like it looks like lucky yeah yeah <laughs> i know who he is it's funny yeah you mentioned him and it's and i remember him now but it's like the, when, when these wackos start talking it's like okay you are just any progress that's being made you are just fucking digging a hole and burying that progress when these people start talking it's like he almost, come on he almost had me and then he's like i feel like whatever they did to me it opened up the artistic side of my brain. And if you look here, I've got this painting that I made. It's like, all right, 
So if you listen to the sh- one of my favorite podcasts, this is the last podcast on the left. And uh, one of their guys, he's really funny. Um, his name is Henry Zembrowski. He just joined MUFON. And his thing is um, MUFON. That is a great network, MUFON. That, that is a great, great agency. What they do with all the research and everything else, they're great. They're legit. But continue. He's funny as hell. And his, um, he's a comedian and an actor and all that. His his way of looking at it is to to really see the legitimacy of an abduction. If it really happened, it ruins your life because you don't gain anything from yeah. you. You're so traumatized. You're not writing books. You're not painting. You're not making movies. You're not making money off it. You're trying to tell anybody who listened that you were just taken by something from a planet that should not exist. Travis Walton. Yeah, carry on. No, that's what I was saying. You're absolutely right. And Travis Walton, perfect example. Given, yes, it got some sensationalism and everything else, but I would argue his life has not been great after his abduction. He's been ridiculed, lampooned. Yeah, they had the movie Fire in the Sky, but it was like a sci-fi movie. It wasn't accurate or anything else. What he went through, he describes, you know, was a traumatic event. Given he was unharmed at the end, he was returned, but... Think about like you take an animal out of the wild and you're tagging it and doing whatever. You might not mean to hurt that animal, you know, in the name of science, but this animal doesn't understand what you're doing. It's traumatized. It's terrified. It's, and when you get the tag on it and, you know, do whatever, that animal is sprinting for the hills or swimming for the depths or whatever like it's it, it's a traumatic event so you know it's the same thing you think about it if you're legitimately abducted even if you're not harmed and you're just you know say not even experimented on you're just on their ship and they're observing you whatever else you're fucking terrified because this is you are taken out of everything you know and placed into a complete and utter unknown you don't know what the heck's going to happen to you yeah. And I don't believe for a second these idiots that are like, and the the tall one, the short ones were rough, and but then the tall one came in with their her beautiful blue eyes and told me that we're not going to hurt you. That's bullshit. You're if you if that's happened to you, then you're having a hallucination and you're having a sexual wet dream. All right, you're not. <laughs> that's not an actual alien abduction. Alien abductions are, are something that. Most abductees, if they talk about it, they talk about it, you know, well after the fact, and it's still traumatic. I mean, let's look at Benny and Barney Hill. I mean, Betty and Barney Hill. Um, I'm sorry about that. What they went through. Um, He was so traumatized and embarrassed, he wouldn't even talk about it. Like, she talked about it more than he did. But even still. Loved it. She was, she was, because I think for her, you know, and it just proved that, wow, we really aren't alone in the universe. Everything we thought we know, wow, this just opens possibilities. She was very open-minded about it. Her husband, on the other hand, saw it as like an albatross. He was horrified and just didn't want to tell anybody because he knew. And outside of the UFO community and some open-minded people in the scientific community, they were ridiculed and lampooned and nobody, and you know, you get all these skeptics, paid skeptics, government paid skeptics that go out and they try to throw throw dirt on the fire and just, you know, smear you. And, and you know, that's what they went through. Yeah. 
it, it ruined their yeah. life and, it, and eventually he he developed he developed something they did something to him that where he developed like a weird rash on his crotch <laughs> yes he had he had all kinds of they both had uh stuff that happened to them all kinds of all kinds of stuff oh, so a recording of their um their hypnosis hypnotic regression it's terrifying it's fucking scary you're looking to re listen to people that you know some of the hypnotic regressions on those that are more legitimate i believe it is usually terrifying and their re visceral reactions like uh you know, utter fear and disorientation. I think those ones are probably more credible. It's the ones, like I said, where you get this fat slob with these skinny little twig arms and he's crying about the aliens making him have sex with an alien woman who then had his beautiful Bellegeurs. It's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, that's what it's like. There's no money made. It's just no money made. Yeah, it's like, and you're just, you're literally pissing on any attempt to get to the truth. And, and you're you're shitting on people's legitimate, um, legitimate encounters. Right. You're not helping anything. Exactly. Like, it, it's just, or on top of it, you're, you're peddling disinformation. Somebody paid you to peddle disinformation. True. That's the only, that's another another aspect to it like somebody's paying you to peddle disinformation because the more ridiculous and more stupid the the um the statements the less likely people are to believe it right um, and then anybody else no matter how credible because you're lumped in the same group with them it then becomes oh well you all must be full of shit too because listen to what this asshole's spouting no, you're absolutely right. There's just a lot of weird shit, and we can hopefully we can sift through it. But um, I'm gonna wrap this up because my wife is home, and I got to do some chores. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to go spend quality time. Quality time. <laughs> so we lost Nick midway through, but he was in his truck in a parking lot. So hopefully he's alive and didn't get abducted. Well, he might have gotten abducted. That that might that might be what happened. If he comes back tomorrow and telling you that he had a a, a sex alien sex baby. Yeah. Uh, he might need to get mentally checked, but if he's traumatized and hiding under his bed and in a puddle of his own urine, then you know he got abducted. He had to go record in his truck because uh, he didn't want to wake the baby up and set the dogs off. But this yeah, is I, I can one of the Jam Space podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week.